Meet Melissa. She's 40 and has been dealing with brain fog for over five years. She describes it like looking through the world with a veil over her eyes. Her brain is always fuzzy. Sometimes it's hard to recall words or remember where she put something, and she's way too young to feel like this. She was always super sharp, so this is not something she was okay living with. She tried her doctors, but got nowhere, and that is when she reached out to me. After a detailed history, I saw that she had periods of stress, was also having trouble sleeping, felt down a lot, and complained of fatigue and weight gain. I knew that all of these things were interplaying together, and we needed to look at everything to solve this brain fog mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Melissa and her constant brain fog. I am so excited to have Dr. Roger Murphy from yourfiberdoctor.com with me today. I actually had Dr. Murphy on last year where we discussed all of the underlying causes and healing strategies for fibromyalgia. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing all of his insights about brain fog with you today. Dr. Murphy, welcome back. And I'm so delighted to be here. This is going to be fun. For sure. Thank you so much for being here. So brain fog can be so debilitating and just like so many other ailments, it's something that can have a lot of underlying causes. And this is why brain fog can be so hard to treat, especially conventionally, because there's just not a one-size-fits-all approach. But thankfully, there's so many areas that we can look into to see where this is stemming from so that we can get rid of it once and for all. And I'm really excited to get into all of this today. Dr. Murphy, I know that you see a ton of people who have brain fog. How common is this issue, do you feel? You know, I really believe it's a very common issue. And I think a lot of times, you know, hear people joking about it, the, the uh, senior moments, you know, you hear people talking about that. And, you know, and I think people oftentimes kind of give into that mentality is as they get older, they they're, they lose their brain function. Uh, in the population that I treat in fibromyalgia, it's very common. I would say, you know, maybe 100 percent of the people to work with. And a big part of that is, as we'll discuss today, has to do with just getting really run down and not being able to, you know, have the mental clarity that they would like because of so many different issues going on with nutritional deficiencies, problems with their neurotransmitters, low thyroid, low adrenals, poor sleep. There's so many factors that come into play when you talk about losing your mental clarity you know, that makes it a bit of a challenge. You know, where do you start? You know, and I think just the whole, like brain fog as a whole, I think different people can also experience it in different ways. You know, some people can feel like they're more forgetful, whether there's others that feel like there's just almost like this like veil and they can't see straight or think straight. You know, there's so many different kind of variations, but it all sort of comes down to just not feeling like your brain is really working as optimally as it should. Do you feel that, it's a problem that's more common for a certain age group or demographic or gender, or is it something that affects everyone? I think that it's probably more prominent in, in females and especially those that are a little bit older. But having said that, 
in my community that I work with, you know, and I see patients as young as 18, um, you know, some of them are 18, some are 80, <laughs> 99% of those are females. So I'm a little bit skewed in uh, my answer there, but I think that one of the common denominators that we see with, with uh, mental clarity issues with this brain fog is, is low serotonin. And this brain chemical, this happy hormone is so important for for establishing, you know, healthy moods. Uh, it's a calming hormone. It helps reduce pain. It helps to regulate your bowel movements. So it does plays a big role in our health. But one of the things that's really important for is helping with mental clarity issues. And with fibromyalgia, the common thing that they all share is that they're all low in serotonin, this brain chemical. Mm, yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, when they think of serotonin, they think of the happy neurotransmitter, you know, and they think of things like Zoloft and, you know, other antidepressants and, you know, SSRIs. And they just think, okay, serotonin makes you happy. So I'm so glad that you're saying that there's so much more to it, like you said, with relaxation, but also brain health. So if low serotonin is one of the underlying factors for brain fog and people want to find out if that's something that could be an issue for them, what would they typically do? Are there specific tests that you recommend or are there questionnaires that you would use? How would someone know if the serotonin is an issue and if it could be one of their culprits for brain fog? So in the fibromyalgia community, it's a given, but in the general population, you can take, there's a questionnaire that I have on my website, yourfibrodoctor.com. And under the patient resource section, you'll see a brain function questionnaire. And in a, if they fill that out, they'll be able to see, are they low in serotonin? Are they low in dopamine? Are they low in norepinephrine? These different brain chemicals that help regulate our moods and our energy, our mental clarity, our sleep-wake cycle. So a quick little survey can show, show you, pre, you know, pretty quickly, are you low in serotonin or not? But some keys that you may be low in serotonin are, uh, do you have low moods? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel more pain than you maybe used to in the past or your pain threshold is lower? Do you tend to want to hibernate, not want to be around people? Um, do you have trouble with your sleep, either trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? These are some of the, the common things that would be associated with, with low serotonin. Yeah, that's that's great to know. And for everyone listening, I will post the link of where you could take that questionnaire so that you could take a look and see if these are issues that could be affecting you. And once someone finds that likely they are low in serotonin, what are some things that they can do to help to boost it naturally? So, you know, I, I use this analogy. I may, may have used it on our other, our other visit, but, you know, I believe that we're all born with a stress coping savings account. And in that stress coping savings account, we have certain chemicals that allow us to deal with stress. And all day long, we're under stress, whether it's real or, or imagined. And the more stress that we're under, the more, more stress uh, coping chemicals we need to be able to handle that stress. One of the most important ones is serotonin, this brain chemical that we're talking about. And you make serotonin, uh, when you go into deep restorative sleep, you start to replenish your stress coping savings account with the stress coping chemicals like serotonin. And the first place to start, if you're having these senior moments or this brain fog, 
is making sure that you're getting enough sleep. I think in this country in particular, it's all about, you know, push, push, push. And some people really brag and think that it's a badge of honor not to get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that deep restorative sleep really is the best thing you can do for just about any health issue. Because if you're not getting deep restorative sleep, not only obviously going to be tired, you know, I mean, that's, that's a given. So you're going to be run down and tired. Um, when you're not getting deeper stored to sleep, you, you lower your pain threshold. So you have more pain when you're not getting deeper stored to sleep, you're more likely to have irritable bowel and restless leg syndrome, anxiety and depression. And, and obviously what we're talking about today, this brain fog. So focusing on deeper stored to sleep is really the first place to start. And I can't tell you how many patients have told me that, yeah, the pain is terrible. The the fatigue, you know, which they have with fibromyalgia is terrible. But Dr. Murphy, this brain fog where I can't even complete a sentence, I can't remember anything. That is so frustrating to so many of them because a lot of them were high strata people. They were bankers and lawyers and doctors and people that had very demanding um, intellectually stimulating jobs that they had to give up because they, they just couldn't even get a sentence together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is debilitating and it makes so much sense what you're saying about sleep. And it seems like it could almost be a vicious cycle because as you were saying, you need serotonin to be able to sleep properly and you need to sleep properly so you can deal with the brain fog. And so we want to work on that. So if someone is low on serotonin and they are not getting sleep, what are some things that they could do to help with sleep? Yeah, great question. So if you take that brain function questionnaire, you'll be able to see, are you low in serotonin? Are you low in norepinephrine? Are you low in these different brain chemicals? And typically females as a whole are low in serotonin if they're going to have any kind of mood disorders. Men typically are lower in norepinephrine. The, the uh, norepinephrine is, gives you energy as a catecholamine, so it gives you energy and drive and ambition. Now you can be low in both of those. But if you're low in serotonin, then you can easily remedy that by taking an over-the-counter supplement called 5-hydroxytryptophan. So 5-HTP, that comes from the amino acid tryptophan. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So anytime you eat a protein food, it's going to have these amino acids in there. One of those is is tryptophan, which then needs to convert to 5-hydroxytryptophan. You know, we've got so many people out there. I think you mentioned earlier about Zoloft and these antidepressants. And, you know, I'm not telling anybody to stop your antidepressant. Far from it. But, the, you know, the problem with those medications is those are, those are gasoline additives. They don't make serotonin. They only help you hang on to whatever serotonin you have. And if you're starting to have brain fog, one of the main reasons you're having that is because you've gotten so run down and your health is is compromised. And typically... Of course, and now my population is a little bit different, but typically that's becoming starts with this poor sleep issue. And once you start to address this sleep, then patients start to report that their mental clarity starts to improve rather quickly. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, going back to the 5-HTP and the tryptophan, I know you recommend 5-HTP. And sometimes, you know, people may take tryptophan just depending on what they're doing is there do you have a reason why you prefer 5-HTP or is it something that depends on individual patients so tryptophan needs to turn into 5-hydroxytryptophan and then 
5-HTP when it's combined with synergistic vitamins and minerals, the B vitamins and magnesium and vitamins. That's what makes serotonin. That's where it comes from. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't come from, it doesn't come from Zoloft or Paxil or Celexa. You know, nobody has an antidepressant deficiency, but you certainly can have a 5-HTP deficiency. And the reason why I use 5-HTP over tryptophan is because some people can't convert tryptophan into 5-HTP. They have a genetic glitch in one of the pathways that won't allow that to happen. So they're already predisposed to getting run down. And rather than taking the chance that they may not be able to convert that tryptophan, it's just easier to start them on 5-HTP. Mm-hmm. Great. Cutting out the middleman makes a lot of sense. And then in terms of sleep, you know, say they are low in serotonin and they start taking 5-HTP and hopefully that helps with sleep to some extent. But are there any other things that you feel like are really biggies when it comes to getting restorative sleep? I think that it sounds kind of silly, but some people report that they're too tired to sleep. Now, I don't know if you ever hear that. I have actually. I think it's that like tired, wired sort of feeling that they're talking about. You're exactly right. So what happens is these individuals, they get so run down and they develop this underlying stress inside of them where they they, they almost go into a panic attack when they get closer to bedtime because they're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, it's going to be another night. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to lay there all night in pain and misery, and I'm going to wake up the next day, and I'm going to be exhausted. So they set themselves up to having a bad night because they're just so stressed out, and they do. They get on this this vicious cycle. But what I see with 5-HTP, the great thing about it is when it's combined with a good multivitamin, and I think everybody needs to be taking a good multivitamin, uh, optimal daily allowance, not the RDA, which is the recommended disease allowance. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, scurry or berry berry, you know, but an optimal daily allowance multivitamin is going to have sometimes 4,000 times what you would see in the RDA for like panathenic acid or um, vitamin C or some of these things that we know you really need high doses so you can saturate the cells. And, and by doing that, you're going to shore up any nutritional deficiencies, whether that's B12 or folic acid or Uh, vitamin B6, all which play an important role in mental clarity. So you want to take a good multivitamin, but when you combine that multivitamin with 5-HTP, that's what makes serotonin. That's where it comes from. The the other thing about 5-HTP is it increases your natural sleep hormone melatonin by 200%. Now, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, should I just take melatonin if I'm struggling with my sleep? Well, you know, you can, but if you find that you're also having issues with low moods, uh, chronic pain, anxiety, or depression, then I would suggest you start with the 5-HTP rather than the melatonin because you're going to get so much more benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Plus with melatonin, depending on the age, if someone's younger, we don't want them to get used to it because it's going to lower their own production. So it's always good to go with the precursors first. Absolutely. So neurotransmitters, especially things like serotonin, is definitely one of the underlying causes for brain fog and one of the triggers. What are some other things that can be associated with brain fog? So I think really, again, you know, stress is the catalyst for disease and stress manifests its way in in different ways. One of those ways is brain fog. I think when you get under a lot of stress, you don't think as clearly as you would like. And if you continue on that that path, eventually it turns into a long-term battle where you're trying to really be able to have the mental clarity that you would like 
to carry on uh, in, a, in a fashion that you're, you're used to in the past. So I think that one of the big things I see is that once I get my patients going in a deeper store to sleep, the next thing we really got to work on is this thing called adrenal fatigue. So we have these stress coping glands, your adrenal glands, and they're responsible for releasing certain hormones that allow you to have stamina and resiliency to stress. But when you get under years and years of stress and you're not sleeping well and you know, eventually it catches up with you, and what you see is your stress coping glands, the adrenal glands, aren't able to really keep up with the demands, especially if you're in that vicious cycle of no sleep, you know, which is creating more stress. Um, so, so I think the second thing that's really important to look at is making sure that you shore up any kind of a, adrenal problems. And uh, for my patients, I get them to take adrenal cortex glandular supplements. These are over-the-counter supplements that you know really work quite well to be a, to help them to have that that mental clarity that they're so lacking. Now, do you test people and do you look at what their cortisol levels are like, or do you just go by based on their history and stress levels and support them with the adrenal cortex? Well, I test, you know, so I do a saliva test. I like to see a four saliva sample test to see what their cortisol levels are doing throughout the day, as well as their stress coping hormone, DHEA. But you, but you can self-test on my website in the patient resource section, it'll, it'll tell you how to do that, but um, you can self-test and get an idea if you're low in cortisol uh, by taking your blood pressure lying down and then by and then you stand up and take it again. And what you should see is that top number, that systolic number should go up by 10 points. If it doesn't, that's a pretty good sign that you have adrenal fatigue and you would benefit by starting to, to treat that adrenal fatigue. Yeah. Now, what about those people who have the reverse cortisol curve? Because we see that so often too, where they are low in the morning and they are fatigued, but then they have this issue where they get a second wind at night and oftentimes the cortisol does spike. How would you address that? Well, that's common. <laughs> you know, it's common in my patients because I've got some really crazy but lovable patients. And, um, you know, they're tired all day. You're right. They're exhausted. And then they catch your second wind about nine or 10. They haven't been able to do anything all day. And then the next thing you know, they're wired and there's no way they're going to be able to go to sleep. Now, part of that is a defense mechanism that they've developed over the years to where uh, anytime they have any energy whatsoever, that is that short little window to be able to get things done. And so if you're a mom and you're struggling all day long because you have just no energy, and then about 10 o'clock, as the kids are finally getting into bed, you get a little bit of a second wind, that's when you start doing everything you hadn't been able to do during the day. And that's the worst thing you can do because it drives your cortisol levels up even higher. What I do with my patients is I get them on some over-the-counter products like GABA, gamma aminobutric acid, L-theanine, ashwagandha, valerian root. We have a product called Delta Sleep, which is real calming and very relaxing. It's it can be taken to help relax you so you can wind down and get ready for sleep. And the other great thing about it is you can take it during the night. If you're one of these people that wakes up during the night, and you can't go back to sleep. You can use this product called Delta Sleep to allow you to get sleepy within 10 or 15 minutes after you take it and go back to sleep. That's great. And what's in Delta Sleep? Is it a combination of GABA and 
the theanine or is there something else in there? Combination of GABA and L-theanine, ashwagandha and uh, valerian root, a couple other, a couple other little uh, herbals in there that really works really well in it to just, just to calm you down. I wouldn't take it during the day because it can be a little bit sedating. Sure. But at bedtime, it really helps. Now, the 5-HTP alone tends to do the trick for most people. But if you still, you know, especially if you're one of these kind of people that you get that second wind because your cortisol level is spiking, then the Delta sleep really helps to to calm you down and get you to where you can get in bed and, and wind down and get get a good night's sleep. I always tell people we have to make sure we calm stuff first before we stimulate because there are some people who are so sensitive, they can get easily overstimulated. Um, You know, if they do too many kind of uppers, you know, without getting that nighttime down. So let's talk a little bit more about these adrenal glandulars because I think they're very popular, but there's also a ton out there. And I think there's a little bit of confusion about them because there's usually a lot of different ingredients. So I know that you prefer the adrenal cortex. Can you tell us a little bit more about why that's the case and then what people should be mindful of potentially avoiding when they're looking at adrenal supplements? Well, yeah, that's great that you point that out because I really am particular. And you, and you, just as you shared here a minute ago, a lot of people are kind of wound up anyway. So you got to calm everybody down first. If you got all this nervous energy going on inside of you, that's exhausting. I mean, that is exhausting. So the first thing is to calm, you know, get calmed down. And what we see with the uh, the adrenal gland is there's two lobes in the adrenal gland. So one lobe is the adrenal cortex lobe, and that's got cortisol and DHEA. And in the medulla, the other lobe of the adrenal gland, it's got norepinephrine or adrenaline. And you don't want anybody to get any more revved up with adrenaline because that's why they can't sleep. That's why they're stressed out during the day. That's why they can't get a a clear thought together because they're so stressed out. Their adrenaline levels are off the chart. So when you get an adrenal cortex supplement, you want to make sure that the only thing in that supplement is adrenal cortex. That's it. That's all it should say on the label. It shouldn't say whole glandular. It shouldn't have a bunch of other ingredients in there. It should just be the adrenal cortex. And that's it. If you do, if you stick to that, then patients tend to do so much better. They don't get revved up. It helps them to have stamina and resiliency to stress so they can do more without crashing or having some some rebound effects from getting under stress. And they find that they are able to mentally be more dynamic, be able to process more information without it just being exhausting as they start to supplement with the adrenal cortex supplements. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're saying is so important. And I really just want to make sure that we highlight this for everyone listening, that it is the adrenal cortex, because most things out there, at least when people bring me stuff, you know, people usually come with like two bags of rattling supplements that they've been on that haven't worked for them. And when they first come to see me, I'm sure you probably have similar stories, but a lot of them are taking just a whole adrenal, you know, it'll it'll literally say either whole adrenal or say like an adrenal complex with like an adrenal glandular, but it doesn't break it down into what's in there. It's just everything. So they're going to get those potentially overstimulating parts from the medulla and the epinephrine and norepinephrine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my patients, they typically have a Sherpa that comes in when I, when I did have a clinic now, I'm all, I'm all by phone. I work with patients all over the world, but when I had a clinic, I mean, they come in with a big Santa Claus bag, you know, they're usually the husband, the spouse yep. and they'd have you know, like 30 bottles and stuff and they'd want me to go through all of it. And, 
And um, I got to the point to where uh, I was not as tactful as maybe as I should be. I just kind of just rake it all off into the trash and start all over because I think that's what happens with a lot of people. They're reaching for straws. They want to feel better. You know, they're just going to take anything that they hear about. I, I caution people to do that. You want to be, you try, you want to be really more focused on how you do it. And that's what's so great about having resources like your podcast, because you really share this information where people can gather this information and be much more uh, specific about what they're trying to do rather than in this shotgun approach where you're taking 15 bottles of stuff that may or may not help. Right. Of course. And in terms of the Cortex supplement, are there any brands that you recommend? I know you have a lot of your own brands. Is there one you use or are there other companies that you would recommend? Well, yeah, thanks. Um, so yeah, I have a, I have a product that's made for me in the essential therapeutics line, which is my label. And then, but there's some other ones out there. So um, allergy research group makes an adrenal cortex product. It is rather expensive. Uh, that was one reason why I had it made for, uh, for, for my clinic. Thorn research. Th- there's a few of them out there. The problem with them is either they're, they're really expensive or they're not strong enough. So the ones that I have made for me, for my line, they're 250 milligrams per capsule. Most of them that are out there are 50. Oh yeah, it's not enough. Patients typically need about 500 milligrams a day or more. Some of some of my patients need 1,000 milligrams twice a day. Even. It just depends. You know, it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. 500, you'd have to take 10 of those capsules. I think there's only 60 in the bottle. So um, there are some others out there, not discourages, you know, definitely look around. The most important thing is that when you uh, when you're looking around, make sure is, that it says adrenal cortex glandular, and that's it. Perfect. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I'll post links to yours and all the different ones um, out there as well. So thank you so much for that. They're looking into, obviously, their serotonin levels. They're going to be working on sleep. Then they're going to be looking at stress and ways to really get the adrenals to get back online and deal with the stress better without getting overstimulated. And let's just say someone is doing all of those things, and I'm sure they're probably feeling some improvement, but what if the brain fog is still there or maybe just has not improved 100% yet? What are some other underlying causes and some things that they can look into at that point? And in a, probably you are going to see that it's still there because there probably are some other key things that need to need to happen. Uh, and going back to the neurotransmitters, that's where you you want to look at. So you calm everything down first, okay? And that's making sure you're getting a good night's sleep. Five HTP is very calming. If you need to, you can take L-theanine or GABA, gamma butric acid. If you have had anxiety issues during the day, you can take those products. They won't make you feel dopey or sleepy. They'll just calm you down. And that when you when you get calmed down, you you can able to concentrate better. So after you calm everything down and you start working on the adrenals, so you have more stamina and resiliency to stress, so it doesn't cause you to, you know, cave in. Then you look at things like norepinephrine, which we mentioned earlier. And when you fill out the brain function questionnaire, you may find that you're low in norepinephrine or you may find that you're low in dopamine. And if you are, then you can take over-the-counter amino acids like SAMe, S-adenosine methionine, or L-phenylalanine, or L-tyrosine. You can take those, and they will make those brain chemicals, which allow you to have more mental clarity, mental energy, and physical energy. 
That's great. Yeah. Are there any contraindications with these depending on if someone's maybe on a certain medication or anything that people need to know about that? Well, if you Google it, if you looked at, you know, if you look at Dr. Google, you'll see that using amino acids with antidepressants are contraindicated. But having done this for 20 years and worked with thousands of patients all over the world, I'm comfortable in recommending a combination of antidepressants and amino acids. And, and one of the main reasons is, is the antidepressants, they don't make serotonin. They don't make norepinephrine. They just help you hang on to what you have. But if you're using a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor and there's nothing to reuptake because you've gotten so run down over the years, it's like using a gasoline additive in an empty gasoline tank. It's really not going to do anything. What I find is that my patients can combine the 5-HTP or the SAMe with the antidepressant, and now it actually works. Um, so I don't really see any problems out there. Certainly, you know, you want to work with your doctor, uh, you know, if, you, if you're uncomfortable, but I don't really see problems out there mixing the two. No, that's great. And do you typically try to dose them a little bit away from each other, like six hours or so, or do you feel like taking them together is better? Typically, it's going to depend on what the amino acid is. So if we're talking about 5-HTP, you're going to take that at bedtime. Uh, if it's SAMe, which is stimulating, gives you mental ambition, mental drive, physical energy, that needs to be taken first thing in the morning. You don't want to take it late in the afternoon, certainly not at bedtime. So it depends on what the amino acid is, what we're trying to, to shore up, what deficiency. If it's calming, then, you know, the 5-HTP, if it's, you know, it's during uh, at bedtime. Uh, if it's L-theanine, which is very calming and relaxing for those that have kind of anxiety issues, you can take that during the day. But SAMe and L-tyrosine and L-phenylalanine, those stimulating amino acids, those need to be taken first thing in the morning. Right. So when they take their medications, do you feel like they need to then move their medications so they're away or does it not matter in your opinion? It doesn't matter, in my opinion. And I can say that comfortably because doing this for 20 years, I've got patients, you know, in the fibromyalgia community, they're taking half a dozen to a dozen drugs when they start working with me. And they're combining these amino acids with their antidepressants, with their sleep medications, and they're doing, they do just fine. So you don't typically see serotonin storm syndrome or anything like that? I don't. I don't. And now part of that is, is when I'm recommending how to use these products, whether that's in my book, podcast, presentations, whatever it is, always say start off very, very slow and see if you have a reaction. So if you start taking 5-HTP at bedtime, start off with 100 milligrams. And if you don't have a reaction that night, you're going to be fine. Typically, you're going to have the reaction within a night or two or a day or two of starting any of these supplements. And if you do, just stop taking them and it's out of your system within, you know, within 24 hours. Yeah, that's good to know because a lot of psychiatrists are very weary of doing anything in combination. And, you know, oftentimes patients are going to their doctor just to make sure, hey, I'm taking this, what do you think? And a lot of doctors would say, no, you can't. And then they quote, you know, the I think one potential study that's there on serotonin syndrome, you know, to tell them they can, and then they get scared. So I was just wondering if you've experienced that at all. I've not. I mean, I can count on one hand patients and not even patients, just people that have heard me lecture, had an issue. And these are people that are uh, typically manic depressive 
and they're on heavy duty medications that shouldn't be mixing anything anyway. Mm-hmm. And typically, I'm um, just thinking of two cases where they thought, well, if 100 milligrams is good, then 500 milligrams is even better. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Then going by the instructions, they just, you know, overdosed on the 5-HTP and they did have a reaction, you know, it kept them up. They had a racing heart rate. It went away the next day, but obviously it was a scare. But I don't see that. And, and you know, you put that in perspective. If you got psychiatrists that will tell them, oh, yeah, don't take that. But, you know, they'll tell them to take a Remeron, which is a disaster for their brain or to take, you know, who, who knows what they've got them on. They've got them on Abilify and, and two or three different antidepressant medications, this cocktail that they've got them on, uh, which I think that's really incredibly dangerous and poor, you know, poor doctor, you know, poor, poor doctor skills to have someone on multiple prescriptions like that. That's a good point. I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, I really don't. I really don't. Good, good. I'm so glad to hear it. And it's also good to know that if someone does have a reaction, like you said, it's out of your system in a day. So if you're going to feel it, you're going to feel it that day or the next day and then it'll go away. Because I do think that there's this fear that if you have serotonin syndrome, that you know, it's this disease that you now have or something terrible is going to happen and won't go away. So it's really good to know that if there is a reaction the next day, you will likely be fine. Yeah. And, and, you know, put it, you know, to put it in perspective, when I, my first edition of my book, Treating and Beating Fibromyalgia came out, I had in there, ask your doctor before starting these amino acids. If you're taking antidepressants, ask your doctor before taking these. And the problem was everybody's taking antidepressants. And so nobody was would take the 5-HTP and these other amino acids that I was recommending. And so they didn't get better. So when the second edition came out, I took that out of there. Because if you don't take these, you're not going to see the benefit. Your only option then is to take prescription medications, which we know if you just look at the sleep medications, they increase your risk of death by fivefold. doesn't matter what the particular uh, uh, condition is, whether that's heart attack, stroke, or cancers. And, and if you know that, then you definitely want an option. So the amino acids look a lot better than taking Ambien, that's for sure. Definitely. Um, so then once someone is balancing their sleep and they've balanced their neurotransmitters and you know they looked into and they're supporting their adrenal glands, but if the brain fog is still there or maybe just not gone 100%, any other areas they can look at? You know, perhaps is there anything going on in the gut or thyroid or what else do you look at next? Thyroid is important, but since we brought it up, I think the other thing, the first thing really is to look at, are you taking any prescription medications that could be compromising your mental clarity? And, that, and that's often the case. People don't realize if you're taking sleep medications or even some antidepressants, those can compromise your mental clarity. Uh, taking proton pump inhibitors, Prilosec, Zantac, Nexium, these things that block the stomach acid can interfere with your ability to absorb and make B12 or B1, thiamine. And those are two key nutrients that are needed to make the brain chemicals that allow you to be able to think clearly. Uh, so there's certain drugs that are out there that can definitely compromise your mental clarity. But but you're so right. Thyroid. Yeah, let's talk about thyroid because I think thyroid, and I know you, you're, you're a specialist in thyroid disorders. We've had these conversations before and I always love them, uh, talking to you about them. But with thyroid, it, it's the, something that's it's missed so often. All the time. You know, people have all these symptoms the fatigue, the brittle nails, they're losing their hair, they're constipated, low moods, maybe feel anxious, high cholesterol, 
diffuse achy pain, tingling in their hands and feet, cold hands and feet. All these symptoms are there that that you know are pointing to low thyroid. And yet, most individuals, when they go to their doctor or doctors, they're getting really basic testing that doesn't uncover the fact that they do have a thyroid problem, and and so it's never it's never addressed. And uh, so there's so many people out there that think they're having these these um, senior moments, and part of that is because their thyroid is not optimized. Yeah, so true, so true. And for everyone listening, I have a lot of different episodes on thyroid, so you can go back and listen to exactly what markers you need your doctor to test you for, what the actual optimal ranges are versus just the lab ranges. So then you can see if there's an issue there. And the big thing to remember is TSH is not enough alone. You need much more than that. And you want to make sure it's in the optimal range. What about the gut? What role does that play with brain fog? Well, interesting. I think the gut plays a huge role because as you know so well, part of the conversion of the thyroid hormones happens in the gut. We also see that depending on if you have yeast overgrowth, and in particular yeast overgrowth, can create formaldehyde and other chemicals that are released that can make you feel, you know, make you feel like you're drunk. Uh, they can definitely compromise your mental clarity. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I think is common in my patients anyway, is food allergies. Uh, food allergies are the great masqueraders that can cause just about any symptom that you can think of. A food allergy can contribute to that symptom or actually be the cause of that symptom, whether that's brain fog or fatigue or pain. I think that one of the best things you can do is to do an elimination diet. It doesn't cost you anything, but by doing an elimination diet where you come off all dairy, all wheat, all gluten, all citrus, soy, nightshades, sugar, caffeine, if you you slowly wean off the caffeine. But if you do this over over a four-week period, oftentimes what you'll see when you add back these foods, you start challenging them back one at a time, you'll find that one or more of these food groups are going to initiate a symptom that you didn't realize that was, you know, that was there, whether that's migraine headaches or irritable bowel or brain fog. And you don't even realize that until you start to see if the foods you're eating on a daily basis are contributing to some of the unwanted health uh, problems that you're experiencing. Yeah. And this is so big for so many people. And of course, like with everything else, it is this vicious cycle of, you know, having gut issues or yeast overgrowth of bacteria overgrowth, and then that creating leaky gut, which then creates the sensitivities. And then we continuously eat those foods, which makes us more inflamed, which only makes the leaky gut worse and then makes our symptoms worse. So you really kind of want to look at all of that together and address it because it is such a big, big thing for sure. Do you prefer that people do an elimination diet or are there any tests that you like for food sensitivities? Well, when I'm working with a patient one-on-one, I test them. I do the ELISA test. So I look at 96 96 foods and, and look at the IgG, which is the delayed sensitivity allergy test. A lot of people will go get a skin prick test or a RAS test, and that's good at looking IgE which is good for an inhalant allergies, things that happen you know, right away within, within an hour being exposed to these things. But food allergies typically don't show up on those tests very well because a food allergy may take 72 hours before you have a reaction. That's why I like the ELISA test. Uh, 
but for those individuals who don't work with me as a patient, but maybe they've read my book, the elimination diet is something I strongly recommend right from the get-go because I think that you've got to clean your diet up to get the most out of your health. You've got to clean your diet up. Now, it's, when you start to do the elimination diet and you clean your diet up, that's the long game. You know, that's going to take take time, take months, takes takes years. The short game is to fix any kind of neurotransmitter deficiencies like we've talked about, 5-HTP and serotonin, SAMe and norepinephrine, uh, adrenal cortex, looking at your thyroid, deep restorative sleep. Those things, which I call the short game, if you make those changes, you can see results within days in your mental clarity. I mean, you can see quickly that it makes a difference. Uh, SAMe in particular, uh, if you take SAMe, you start off with 400 milligrams on an empty stomach. And what you should see within 30 minutes of taking it is you feel more mentally alert. I mean, it's, it's, it's not subtle. I mean, it's black and white. And if you don't experience that mental clarity, then the next day you go to 600 milligrams and you can, you just keep increasing by 200 milligrams until you get up to 1200 milligrams. But typically somewhere between 400 and 1200, when you take SAMe, you're going to notice that mentally you're sharper than you've been. I mean, it's, it, uh, if it's going to work, and it doesn't work on everybody, but if it's going to work, it works real quick. Mm, yeah. And do you find people who are over methylators have issues with SAMe perhaps? Do you ever see that? Sometimes. Sometimes I do. Yes. And uh, those individuals, they're going to be a washout. They're just not, you know, it's not going to work for them. And if that's the case, I may switch them to DLPA, especially if they take the brain function questionnaire and they're low in dopamine and norepinephrine. So DLPA is a special form of the amino acid, you know, this, of course, uh, phenylalanine, Mm -hmm. but that helps to make dopamine, which also helps for mental clarity. It also is, helps with uh, with moods and pain. Yeah, well, that's great. I think amino acids are so fascinating. And like you said, they're also so safe. You just have to know, obviously, what you're doing. You don't want to just start taking them. You want to either work with someone or do a questionnaire so that you know which to support. But what I love about them is just how quickly you could see the results. Like you were saying, 5-HTP, you know, probably... That same night, um, you know, GABA, the, you know, some of the other ones like tyrosine that you mentioned and this ME, it's just so nice to be able to see it because then it's also very motivating because then, you know, wait a minute, I'm doing something that's actually working. So I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep working on this because I'm seeing the results. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of use this analogy, you know, for my patients, if they've got 15 tacks in their foot and I only pull out three tacks they're really not going to notice much difference and they're not going to be very compliant. They're going to think, oh, here's another doctor that's, that's failed me. So my goal is to as quickly as possible pull out as many tacks to address as many symptoms as I can. And by doing that, as they start to see that they're sleeping through the night, they have more energy, they have less pain, they're thinking better, you know, that then motivates them to change their diet. I don't, you know, it's hard to change your diet if you're not motivated. And uh, until you see results, it's hard to get motivated. That is very, very true. Uh, Dr. Murphy, this has been so insightful. And 
so helpful um, to really know about all of these different underlying causes, because like we were saying, brain fog is so multifaceted. And for so many people, you know, when they're seeing just the regular doctor, they're hitting a dead end after dead end after dead end, because there's just, there isn't a medication for it, you know, unless it's an antidepressant, but like we said, those can oftentimes have even more side effects. So thank you so much for all of this information. And for those people who want to connect with you, get in touch with you, where can they find you? Well, thanks. And I would recommend going to yourfibrodoctor.com. And once you go there, if you'll look at the patient resource link, once you click on that, you'll see a thing that says health conditions. And on there, you'll be able to find the brain function questionnaire. Great. Great. And I'll post all of that in the show notes for you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I just love hanging out with you. As you just heard, brain fog can be due to a multitude of factors, and it's really important to look at all of them to get to the bottom of it. I'll tell you more about what I did for Melissa in just a second, but also first, I just wanted to tell you if you wanted to contact or connect with Dr. Roger Murphy, all of his contact information is in the show notes under this episode. Also, Dr. Murphy is hosting the Fibromyalgia Summit, where he interviewed yours truly, along with 35 other practitioners. He gets very in-depth about fibro and its relationship to brain fog, adrenals, hormones, neurotransmitters, and of course, thyroid, which is actually what he interviewed me in depth about. Summits are always free to listen, and you could do it in the comfort of your own home. It airs on September 28th, 2020, and I will post a link in the show notes for your reference. And for Melissa, we did a food sensitivity through Vibram America and saw that she was actually sensitive to eggs. So we removed those from her diet. We also did an adrenal test and I saw that her cortisol was way low. So ideally, we want cortisol to be highest in the morning, but within a certain range. And then it should look like a ski slope curve where it slowly goes down throughout the day and it's nice and low at night. In her case, what we saw is almost a flatline curve. There really wasn't much in the morning and then it wasn't doing much throughout the day. It did go down a little bit at night, but it wasn't this nice ski slope curve that we were looking for. And so to help support this, I used an adrenal product that was a cortex-only product, like we just talked about with Dr. Murphy. This was by Claire Labs. And the good thing about this is that it's very fueling and it's very healing to the adrenals, but it's not stimulating at all. Because whenever you have low cortisol, you don't want to do something that's too stimulating because it's almost like beating a dead horse then. It's just not good. The other thing I looked at is her thyroid because thyroid plays such a big role here. And I noticed that her TSH was low and her T4 was also low. Now, conventionally, when you look at this, it may look like she might be fine or even have hyper or faster thyroid. But when we see a low TSH and a low T4 total together, that actually signifies that there is a pituitary issue and that the pituitary is not actually stimulating the thyroid properly. And so for this, I use a supplement called Thyraxis PT, which works really well to help to stimulate and naturally support the pituitary. Gland. And typically, this type of pattern is because the adrenals are off. So it's not really a thyroid issue, but it reflects as one. So we want to support it. She also had trouble sleeping and experienced some low moods. So I added some 5 HTP synergy from Designs for Health. We did 100 milligrams at bedtime for her. After doing this, she started feeling better within two weeks and noticed her energy improved in about four. 
At this point, she noticed she was in less of a fog and felt sharper. She said it was about 50% better. We kept going with the protocol while she continued to avoid eggs and balance her meals. And after eight more weeks, her brain fog was pretty much gone. She was so excited to be back to her old self. And of course, I was thrilled as well. If Melissa sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them. And make sure you subscribe to the show because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. And if you guys like the show, I would so appreciate it if you can post a review on iTunes. The reviews really help spread the word so that more people can learn about the possible answers and know that they're not alone in their health journey. When it comes to solving your health issues, please don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next week on Health Mysteries Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.